This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. And good Thursday afternoon. So nice to have you hanging out with us this afternoon. We also have Mary Nancy hanging out with us in the studio. And he does this once a month. And he has done it for the last... It's got to be the last seven years. Seven yes, years. let's make sure we've got your microphone on. Perfect. Um, yes, it's been seven years. And we know that you probably will be able to squeeze in one more visit in August. Should be able to. And then after that, because, of course, we're going to be in an election campaign for those 30 days prior to the vote in October, we will not be able to hear from you because we often get listeners saying, why do you give the mayor an hour and you're not giving his... Well, let's say the Andre Chabot's, his competitors, the same amount of time. So, just I'm sure clear, Andre would be thrilled to have an hour with you. Yeah, he, He'd learn a lot about the procedure bylaw. It would be awesome. He would be thrilled. Watch out. Andre's going to text me and say, sure, Ange, give me an hour. <laughs> uh, let's see. 403-974-8255. Of course, that is the number to call with any question you have for the mayor. Uh, first of all, I just want to get uh, the initial reaction, though, and we heard your clip in the news. But when we're looking at the, the latest census report, what were the things you were taking away from it? Really two big headlines. Uh, the first headline is, of course, that uh, we have reversed the outflow of net migration from last year. So last year, although our population grew, it was mostly due to births. And we had about 6,500 to 7,000 people leave the city. This year, we had about 1,000 people come to the city. So our total increase was about 11,500, 10,000-ish births, and about um, beyond that, people moving to the city. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but an increase of 11,000 is actually a lot for a city this size. And it really does show that people are once again being optimistic about the city and coming to Calgary. So that's really, I think, the big headline. It's it's fragile and it's small, mm-hmm. but this is very much a leading indicator of people making a bet with their own lives about coming to the city. Did uh, you this, say it was 10,000 births in one year? Is that the number you did gave I get us? that right? Yeah, well, I think that's it just, right. just sounds incredible. I know we're a young city. Well, and I know that's net, right? So oh, it's actually, it's deaths minus oh. births. So in fact, there'd be way more births, births than that. Births than that. Wow, that seems like a lot yeah, of births. I don't have the census numbers in front of me, but that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I just wanted to be uh, clear on that. I also want to be clear that we are on Facebook Live. You can always watch us that way as well on News Talk 770's Facebook page. For 403-974-8255 is the number to call and we usually run out of time before we run out of phone calls and comments so um you ready to take some phone calls want to jump right in sure let's do her hey mike how are you hey great hi mike great so my i don't know frustration is with community associations mm-hmm. and how they get to uh really be undemocratic and uh dictate a price that everyone has to pay, and you get no say in it. And uh, it just really frustrates me. I wonder time. if he's... Are you talking, Mike, about community associations or the resident yeah, associations? Yeah, like Panorama Hill. Yes, yes. And there's such secrecy. When I call in and frustrated about these fees, that they just arbitrarily pick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I say, who gives you the right to do this? Like... They're like, talk to your lawyer, talk to your lawyer. Well, that is not what they should be saying. So there's there's two things here, and maybe I can unpack them. The first is, if you live in a neighborhood where there's a residence association, and I live in one too, uh, where we have a lake uh, in Coral Springs, and so there's lake fees that you pay every year. 
the Residents Association is a co-op. So it's made up of all of the people who live there. Um, And you can go to the meetings and express your concerns and vote for the board of directors. Now, in my own neighborhood, to be honest with you, I I don't think I've ever been to one of those meetings. Um, I'm not sure uh, how many people do go. And the same folks have been running uh, the Residents Association for many, many years. Good news is they do a good job and I trust them and they're and they're great. But if you're having concerns about that, you know, you should really go. And if you're up to it, organize your neighbors uh, to also go because it's a co-op. It, it only represents the people who pay those fees. And so that's one one part of it. And I should also mention that a couple of years ago, council agreed to stop um, putting property tax on the uh, the resident association's property. So in Panorama, you've got a community center and a park and so on there. In my neighborhood, there's a lake. And we don't put property tax on them anymore. And the resident associations at that time did promise to pass on the savings from not paying the property tax on to people's fees. And if you didn't see that happening, uh, that's also a question to raise with your resident association. Uh, There's one other thing I should mention. So that's residents associations. Memberships are mandatory. There's also community associations. And those uh, memberships are voluntary. They don't tax you. You pay $10 or $15 a year to join if you want to say. Now, the interesting thing about the community associations is that the city gives them a lot of voice uh, in terms of development in the neighborhoods and so on. We really turn to them and expect them to have thoughtful opinions on this stuff. But they're all volunteers. And some of them are very, very representative of their community. You know, in Lakeview in the southwest, almost everyone belongs to the community association. In other neighborhoods, like in the northeast where I live, the membership is much, much smaller. And so we're in the middle of a big project right now that several councillors are uh, involved in, as well as city administration, on the future of community associations and how we both turn to them for help, but also ensure that they are broadly representative of their communities and have the training they need in order to give us smart answers on things like redevelopment. That's not really your question. I just thought I'd take this opportunity to talk about it. But on the Residents Association, it really is a co-op and you are a member. And if you don't like what they're doing, the key is show up at the meetings and tell them that. Yeah. And I'm glad you dif- uh, differentiated the two, though, Mike, because some people think a, a community association and a residence association are the same thing, but they're not. So uh, there's the clarification for you. Mike, thanks for the call. Four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. In the sense, as someone's asking on the text, is there a breakdown on how many of those were refugees? There is so, not. It would be a very small number. It's a small because yeah. we did welcome uh, we did, a we number. We did double the number. We did double the number since the previous year. Right. Um, but that said, that would be in the low thousands at oh. the absolute most. All right. 403-974-8255. Hello, Dale. Hello. Always a pleasure, Mr. Mayor. Hi, Dale. Always uh, a wonderful time having you perform perform and do your duty so thank you for that <laughs> thanks Dale. Um, my question is now that the rockefellers decided to put calgary in the works with the hundred cities that are resilient cities mm-hmm. um and of course uh, the composting is is a great thing now we're going to be competing with the uh potash and what all these other wonderful things on a world market great now as far as calgary's carbon footprint and what that means to my, my children and our grandchildren are we going to be doing uh, methane capture at the dumps and turn that into electricity and do uh, some of the other initiatives that were laid out? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, thanks for asking. So there's twofold answer to that. One of those is that the primary reason for doing the green bins, um, and those started this week in southwest Calgary. I don't have mine yet, but I imagine we'll have some questions on that today as well. 
One of the primary reasons is when you take the organics out of the landfill, your methane production goes way down uh, because then it becomes a byproduct of creating the fertilizer, which is great. Um, however, once the composting is done, our next step in reducing landfill use, because remember, this is all about uh, deferring cost to future landfills. Uh, and so our next step is actually to look at waste to energy, which is precisely what you're talking about. It's about capturing residual methane gases. It's also about figuring out ways to use uh, very modern incineration methods to create energy from waste. That's Ed- That's been Edmondson's strategy. They're actually pretty good at it, and they've been selling the technology in China and other places. We wanted to get the composting in place first, and then our next big phase you know, in the next decade about what we want to do with waste will all be about waste to energy. Terrific. Well, thank you. Dale, thanks for the call. And I'm getting a text, and I know a lot of people want to know about this, and it's the whole idea of opting out of the green cart program. But uh, Dallas is saying, please have the mayor explain why I should pay for the green cart recycling when I'm currently doing it for free in my own backyard. The city is double dipping, charging me for pickup, then turning around and selling it to a recycling company. I then pay twice, once to the city and to whatever store I go buy it from. Well, we haven't figured out yet. So on the last part of that, we haven't figured out yet what the retail mechanism for selling the compost is going to be. I imagine people will still get a pretty good benefit versus having to buy it today. I just don't know what that's going to look like yet. Uh, we'll, We'll have a better idea next year. But this is exactly like the recycling program. You know, some people were using the community depots, but not very many, frankly. And we needed to divert the waste from the landfill. And when you look at places like Toronto, where they ran out of landfill space, the result of that is billions and billions of dollars of taxpayer expense, and we're trying to get away from that through the diversion system. Now, interestingly, some of the biggest, biggest fans in the pilot program of the composting of the green bin are the people who were already composting in their backyard because they love that you can put more things into the green bin than you can put in your own backyard. Things, frankly, that might attract pests like uh, and things that you can't compost in a backyard composter because of the, the temperature, like pet waste uh, and bones. So that should still help a lot uh, with doing it. And that's allowed us to cut back on the Uh, collection of the black bin, uh, which in addition then helps cut costs for the whole thing. So yes, it's more expensive, but we have been able to save some significant money on the black bin. But what we're really doing is we're deferring very, very big costs in the future. Will people be able to opt out? I thought I heard someone say in October we might be able to get the bin back. So no no opting out. No, it's just like the black bin and the green bin now. Because of course, if we let people opt out, then that would get rid of the whole point of it, which is to have much less waste in the landfill and much less illegal dumping. looking forward to getting rid of my avocado pits because they never break down in my backyard compost <laughs> and you know i'm but seriously because i, love I think that you're such a hipster that you have that volume of avocado pits from your avocado i toast. have a lot of avocados <laughs> yes uh 403-974-8255 more calls to get to and texts as well but let's take a break i'm angela cocott along with mayor nancy we're back after this Good Thursday afternoon. It is our time with Mayor Nancy, so uh, do not delay. Call 403-974-8255. Of course, that's also the text, and you can always email me, Angela, at Newstalk770.com. The mayor is big on Twitter. At Nenshi. At Nenshi, and obviously I'm not as, but it's at Calgary Today if you want to uh, send a question that way as well. 403-974-8255. Let's get back to the phones. Hello, Les. Hello, guys. How are Hi, you? Les. Doing well. Good. Hey, question for you. With all the, the carts uh, piling up in the back alleys and so on and so forth, 
I still see a lot of mattresses and, and garbage debris. And I was wondering why the city would not reduce the fees at the landfills so people are taking in more garbage to the landfills and why not all, all landfills are open on a Saturday, which seems to be, I would think, would be a busier day at the landfill compared to a Wednesday. Thanks, Les. Uh, I'll answer both of those. Handling the tipping fees at the landfill is always a delicate balance. You don't want them so low that people are not diverting their recycling and so on, and you don't want them so high as to encourage illegal dumping. And so we're always trying to balance those things uh, between them. However, what we are, what we have been doing, uh, they're done for the spring now, but they'll be back in the fall, is we do have community cleanup days uh, where you can actually dump off anything for free uh, within your own neighborhood. And so I encourage people to just Google Calgary community cleanup days um, and take a look to see if there is one in your neighborhood. We find those are really effective. So I know, for example, on June 17th, every Northeast neighborhood had it on the same day and they collected just thousands of tons of stuff. Um, So I really do encourage people to do that. The question on the days of the landfills now, This is a very tough one. We have three landfills in the city of Calgary, and I can't think of any other city that has that number of landfills. Usually there's one, there might be two. We have three, so in that way we're quite blessed to have them. The problem is that they run uh, on tipping fees. The fees actually pay the cost. They're not subsidized by your tax dollars. And much of that cost is from industrial, commercial, and construction waste. And what we've seen in the economic downturn is that there really is a very large um, decline in that amount. And so rather than go to the taxpayer to cover the loss or subsidize, we have changed the hours at the landfills such that there is always one open at any time. Uh, On busy days, there are two open, but they're not all open all on the same days. They never used to be open on Sundays at all, by the way. And so now we've moved it to... Uh, this this different schedule. I have heard a lot about this. Uh, you know, uh, my chief of staff was just at the landfill this weekend, and he said it was totally fine. It was a breeze. There was no uh, lineup, but he had to go on two different days, and he had to go to two different landfills. So I can see how that is frustrating uh, to people, and certainly Councillor Keating, uh, who looks after the area that involves the Shepherd Landfill, has been trying to figure out if there's a better way to optimize those schedules. Uh, but the constraint we're facing is really doing that without having to go to the taxpayer to subsidize the landfill operations. Okay, well, I, th- I think a minimum fee of $20 to take your own garbage to the landfill is a little pricey. Yeah, it depends if, if there's really not much, right? I hear you. Yeah, yeah I, I you. think that you'd have cleaner back alleys if you had uh, maybe a $10 fee. Yeah, it's and, good. And it's, and it's very it's good input. Worth, it's worth a try, right? Yeah. That's very good input. Thank you. I'll take that one away. Les, thanks for the call. Uh, 403-974-8255. Let's squeeze in another uh, couple of calls here before we have to take a break for news. David, what's your question for the mayor? Uh, My question is if Mayor Nenshi supports the uh, plebiscite on the rinks and the... uh, Oh, jeez, just lost my mind. The arena. The arena and the Olympics, I think, is what you were going to say. That's correct. Yeah. The arena and the Olympics, and uh, if not, why? And I do support a plebiscite. Uh, There has been no call until this minute for a plebiscite on building a new arena. I've never heard that until this second uh, with you. What a good idea. Uh, Yeah, well, it was your idea. Hey. Um, Uh, Wasn't Sean Chu? Sean Chu has brought up the idea of doing a plebiscite Plebiscite. on the Olympics. Um, I am not at all opposed to the idea of a referendum if we decide to move forward 
uh, on an Olympic bid. That is something that many, many cities have done. It can't be a referendum under Alberta law. It has to be a plebiscite, which is non-binding, but same, same. Uh, that said, uh, Councillor Chu's timing on this one is really terrible. Um, he's bringing it in at the last possible second. I had never heard of this idea until the uh, until the agenda came out yesterday. And frankly, it's too late to do a plebiscite for this fall. It's not legally or technically too late. But if you're going to do a plebiscite, you have to really have the ability for both sides, the for side and the against side, to organize themselves and be able to put their case out in front of people. And with just uh, under three months to go, I just don't know how you could do that in a legitimate way. That said, we also don't know what the recommendation of the Bid Exploration Committee will be on whether move forward, don't move forward, or wait until the IOC has its master hosting plan. And on that last one, I don't think that people could vote if they didn't know what the financial perspective of what it's going to cost and what we're going to get from the IOC is. And we won't know that until after Pyeongchang. So I'm not opposed to a referendum if counts, if the city wants to move forward, but it has to be one with the full information in front of citizens and that just that cannot happen. I don't think we're not there between yet. now and October Yeah. Uh, on the arena. Um, as I said, no one's really asked for a plebiscite on it. Quite frankly, the amount of money that you're looking at, even public funding uh, on an arena is you know, it's a lot of money. It's a ton of money, but it's also the kind of money we spend on an interchange, for example. Um, and I wouldn't want to set a precedent where we are going to plebiscite on every interchange either. So I think council's got to make a decision, but that decision has to be based on good public engagement and good public engagement has to be based on what kind of a deal is on the table. And even and when right you say now, arena, there's no deal to take to people. Even when you say arena, are we talking about arena, let's say at Victoria Park, or are we talking about arena field house as in Calgary next? Well, you know, you've heard me say you, you've heard me say many, many times that uh, I the gap on the Calgary Next uh, proposal between one point four and one point eight billion dollars yeah. of public funding is just not something I can ever see matched, and there really hasn't been any conversation about Calgary Next in yeah. many months. So just to be clear, because some yeah, people right when they say the, arena, the entire, they think that's Calgary Next. Yeah, but right I think now the entire conversation, as I understand it, is on the Victoria, Victoria Park, Park option, the arena in Victoria Park. David, thanks for the call. we got to take a break for news, but we've got more text to get to and phone calls. Hang in there if you can. 403-974-8255. I'm Angela Coca. We've got Marinanchi in studio, and your calls and questions after the news. And yes, we have the mayor in studio, 403-974-8255, your calls or questions. And of course, you can text that number as well. And just to clarify on the question I asked about opting out, and Mayor Nancy said, no, you can't opt out. And someone did rightly, and I heard it on Danielle's show as well, that... Uh, uh, the person from the city said you can opt out, but what she meant was if you don't want the green cart, they are waiting until October once they've delivered all the carts and they'll come and get your green cart, but you will still be charged. So really, it's not opting out the way a lot of critics of the green cart program would like it to be. And it's, it's worth noting, Angela, that you know people seem to have angst about it, um, and I don't know how many of those people have actually received their green cart. Uh, some people have angst. I have to tell you, the vast, vast, vast majority of comments I've received in my office, email, Twitter about it, have been, oh, what took you so long? Thank goodness. And in the pilot, we've run a pilot for five years in four neighborhoods, one in each quadrant, and it is historically the highest satisfaction of any city program in those pilot uh, communities. More than 90%, 89 or 90% of people 
were in favor of the program. So I suspect I don't have my own yet. So it's going to take some change. Yeah. You got to figure out different ways of collecting your kitchen waste. But once people start doing it, they really, really do like it. And uh, this is a quick answer. If black carts start being picked up every two weeks, do we get a reduced fee on the other carts? Yes, in fact, uh, what it is is the overall fee for the blue, black, and the green is reflecting the decrease in cost of the black cart pickup. So the six fifty per month on the green cart is inclusive of the money that we're saving on the black cart. Otherwise, it would have been a few dollars more. So that's the way you're going to see some savings. Some people still won't uh, agree with that. Four zero three nine seven. And remember, nobody is paying until next year. We used one-time money to uh, make sure that people got used to it uh, and got value from it before they started paying for it. All right, let's get back to the phones and see what Jerry has to ask you. Hey, Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Hello. Hello, Jerry. Um, Angela, you may not like this, but uh, I've got a beef with bicycles that run around free in our city. Those crazy free-range bicycles? (laughs) Yes. The Jerry, we should keep them in cages. Yeah, you're not the first person who doesn't like bicycles, but more specifically, <laughs> Jerry. I like, I like bicycles. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that maybe cyclists should have licenses to help to pay for the renovations that are made to accommodate them. Hey, Jerry, you know what? And, and this isn't the first time we've heard this on this show, so I don't mean to cut you off. But here's what I heard, and I wrote a blog about it yesterday. In Oregon State, and a lot of people aren't happy about this, but they are implementing a $15 tax on bikes, new bikes that are purchased that are $200 and over. And actually, being a cyclist, I said, you know what? I'd actually be okay with that because somehow in this debate, we always hear that cyclists aren't paying for any of this, even though we all pay different levels of taxes through um, municipal and provincial but jerry i thought at least then you could say hey i did pay a tax and that money that they're using in oregon is going to go to maintaining and building more cycle tracks and even more pedestrian ways as well so what about that idea jerry well i grew up in montreal and every bicycle had to have a license so mary nancy you tell us why the like as we've had this discussion before about the licensing Let's drop that one. I've got a real one. Oh, <laughs> oh no, wait. I, wanted, I was going to answer that one. Let me answer it real quick, Jerry, and then we'll go to the real Three one. Um, so I am. I actually am generally in favor of moving away from broad-based taxes more towards user fees, like the green card that we've been talking about this afternoon. Um, because right now, if you're a driver, you people always say, well, drivers pay. Well, actually, you don't. It all comes from property tax. So... The money you pay to register your car, not one penny of that goes to the city for road infrastructure. It all goes to the province. Uh, Gas tax in a very roundabout way comes back towards uh, some uh, vehicle stuff, but mostly it comes from pay-as-you-go capital funding and capital grants from the province, uh, property tax and income tax, basically. So anyway, um, the idea that you've mentioned in Oregon is interesting. The challenge is when the amounts are that low, the cost of administering and collecting mm-hmm. tends to become higher than the benefit. So if we charge people 10 or 15 or $20 a year for a bicycle license, the cost of administering that program would mean that it was largely just for show anyway. Uh, you'd have to hire a whole bunch of people to manage the cash and manage the money and figure out the system and send out renewal notices and so on. So 
uh, to actually make it worthwhile, the cost would start to approach car registration costs, and I don't think anybody thinks that's a good idea. Mm. So sure. that, that's the we, tough part on that. But yeah. anyway, Jerry, what's your we, real question? We bought bicycle uh, licenses once, and that was it. And mm. I think it was 3 bucks at the time. Yeah. The other thing is traffic lights, that flashing hand on all the stands. Yes. You used to be able to go down Fifth Avenue by counting the flashing hands. And it used to be 10 flashing hands, and then you knew you were going to hit a red light. Here, they flash, and then they sit there forever, so you don't know whether to fly, go, or what to do. <laughs> uh, don't ever fly. Um, the good news, the good news <laughs> about <laughs> the good news about the roads downtown, uh, the one-way roads downtown, is that they're pretty well synchronized. Um, so a couple, yeah. couple things. Number one is we're in the midst of a project now. Uh, to replace every one of those flashing hands uh, in the city as they get old and they need to be replaced anyway with the timers that you see for pedestrians, which are both useful for pedestrians and even though you're not supposed to be looking at them if you're a driver, helpful for exactly what you're saying because it gives you an exact uh, timing. The other interesting thing is that as we are improving our technology, You'll recall that during the flood, one of the things that we knocked out was the traffic management system. So anyone who says lights are not synchronized in real time found out real quick in the few days after the flood that it's very hard to do them manually. Uh, And we're in the middle of a project right now that is uh, laying fiber optics at many major intersections. And that will allow for much more sophisticated real-time control of the traffic lights The answer is really in the software, not the hardware, but we also have some better software that should allow our traffic management center to synchronize those lights much better in real time based on traffic conditions. Jerry, thanks. I'm not not so worried about them being synchronized as if the hands flash 10 times, you know, you can't go through. You're not going to make it. (laughs) Yeah, if the hand is solid, you better not go through. But yes. Well, I know. Jerry, thanks, Jerry, only because I've got so many people waiting, but thanks so much for the questions. Hey, you take care. Bye-bye. Uh, let me see if I can get in uh, another call here. Hi, Wayne. Hi there. How Hi are Wayne. you? Good, thank you. Hello. Hi, Wayne. What's your question for the mayor? Uh, the access card for the, uh, it's the ACE card. Yes, the Access Calgary, Calgary Extra Calgary. card. Yep. yep. The limit on it is $56. Mm-hmm. Why is the limit so low? You know, like uh, it, it doesn't seem to fit. I mean, a normal trip around town is 25 bucks. Yeah, so the ACE card, uh, it's gone up a little bit uh, since I've been mayor. The ACE card is meant to be really for special or emergency use for Access Calgary users. We really would encourage people to use the regular Access Calgary system. So for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Access Calgary is our paratransit system for people who are unable to use regular transit. Uh, The ACE card is sort of a um, prepaid debit card for cab rides. And so many Access Calgary users get this $56, I thought it was $50, but $56 a month um, kind of debit card. It expires every month, but it's really meant to be used for things that you cannot book in advance um, for if you have an emergency, you've got to go to the doctor, uh, or frankly, you know, you want to go to the movies on a Saturday night and you want to go home after Access Calgary stops running. That's totally legit, too. Uh, But the idea is that it's not meant to be your... $56, you can only go... 
you really only get one trip a month. Uh, you know, one or two. And this is really the yeah, point of it. Sometimes that two, depends yeah. on where you are. But I know I know uh, I have I have a senior in my life who hoards it and if it's if the day of the week starts after twenty, then she's happy to use it, but she doesn't use it before the twentieth because she's worried yeah. she'll run out. Um yeah. it does take it does take some pre planning. Um but really like I say, it's meant to be a special occasion thing, uh, in the hopes that the regular access system covers your daily trips. Mm. Is there any chance of having it extended beyond the $6? That one's a hard one. I mean, we can certainly look at that at budget time in the autumn if I'm still around. Um, that's a tough one. I got to tell you, in my first year as mayor, the right when I was elected mayor, the recommendation was to eliminate that program. And I, oh. and I stood hard against it because I said, look, yeah. people deserve the chance to go to a movie or go to dinner with their friends. And if our system can't get them there, they should be able to do that. Um, so I'm a big fan of that program. Every dollar we increase it is actually quite a few dollars to the public purse, but it's certainly something we can look at at budget time. Wayne, thanks for the okay. call. All right, let's You're take. Let's, Thank let's, you. You bet. Let's take a break. Three forty-two. More questions and comments for the mayor. Four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. After this. Lots of calls and lots of texts. Uh, let's get to a few texts here. Um, and I noticed Mayor Nancy took his time before deciding on whether to run for a third term as mayor. What went into him deciding to run for a third term and why did he wait to announce he was running again? That is like a political question here on uh, Calgary today when we're talking about city issues. You know, I announced uh, almost exactly a year before the next election. Uh, there's two reasons for that. Number one is... As many of you will know, long before I was elected, uh, I'm a big, big proponent for campaign finance reform. I really believe that you shouldn't have an endless campaign. And, you know, lots of people will be fundraising and so on from the minute they were elected. And I've always said I only do that kind of activity within a year of the election. And so in 13 and again this year, I didn't make any announcements or start any campaign work until that time period had elapsed. So that that's the very practical reason. Uh, The other thing is that I really did think through, okay, is it time for new blood, given where we're at, uh, given the economy, given what we've accomplished, you know, does it make sense for me to ask people if they'll give me some more time at this? And, you know, every politician has the cliche, there's more work to do. There's more work to do. You know, we got to get the green line built on time and on budget. We got to do all this infrastructure stuff. The entire green line? Big chunks of it anyway. We got to do, um, we got to build other infrastructure. We've got to get out of this economic downturn as we're in a fragile recovery. So all of those reasons, plus I think the need to have voices in politics that are not as partisan and bitter as we're seeing in other orders of government everywhere, to continue to speak out for all people, what I call the purple, neither red nor blue. Uh, I think that's really important right now, and I think that I hope that I provide a voice that is helpful to think about how to move the community forward rather than dividing people. And here's a text. Hey, Ange, can you ask the mayor this question? Your campaign seems to have momentum of a runaway freight train. (laughs) Why are you so popular? Okay, who sent that one in? All right, it was me. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't me. Thank you for that compliment. Uh, we got a lot of work to do uh, over the next three months, and, uh, you know, I spend all my time talking to Calgarians, and I look forward to talking with them even more over the next three months and thinking about my vision and their visions for the future of the city. And one more kind of political question. Has the mayor changed his opinion as far as the council being dysfunctional? Does he still feel professional help is required for this group of alder people? (laughs) Councillors, thank you very much. You know, I think that any group uh, that is working together can always do with thinking about how to be more effective. In fact, just today I had a big meeting on the plan for training of the new council, whether I'm there or not. 
uh, on everything from finance to dealing with difficult problems uh, when people phone in with them to how to go on Angela's show and talk about stuff. Um, so I, I think that's very important. I will say, though, that there's been a lot made of this thing of, oh, the council doesn't get along. You know, they're totally dysfunctional. But the interesting thing about this is whether or not they get along with each other. I don't have much to say on that, but I actually think it's pretty irrelevant. What, hap- what matters is what happens when they're in the room. And I am particularly pleased that, you know, we passed two budgets unanimously. I don't think that's been done in 40 or 50 years. And the fact that council was able to come together and set aside their political and ideological differences and say, look, this is the right thing for the city, I think is a very big deal. And I think it's a very good thing. And just last week we had, or on Monday, Tuesday, day before yesterday, we had a debate on some emergency funding for arts organizations that I thought would be hugely divisive because it's an opportunity for people to say, uh, why are we subsidizing people in tutus? Mm -hmm. And the conversation didn't go like that at all. It passed unanimously uh, at council and many of the more right-wing members of that, or committee, I should say, and many of the more right-wing members of committees were actually saying, you know, these investments pay huge economic return. And the biggest question I have, and a couple of the right-wing ones were asking this, the biggest question I have is, is this enough? Shouldn't we be doing a little Mm, more? And so I'm really happy that council is able to set aside like those easy question period lines. You know, they don't go on the news and just yell at one another and really say what is actually right. Uh, And and I actually really appreciate that. All right. Let's uh, let's do a traffic check here. Rather 351. Right now in Calgary, it is 28 degrees. Let's get back to the phone calls before we run out of time. And we'll say hi to Shirley. Hi, Shirley. What's your question for the mayor? Hi, I'm just, uh, if we were talking about the green bins, I have a real problem with animal waste in our compost because I'm a microbiology technologist and honestly, some of those parasite ova, the eggs last forever, mm-hmm. you know, and now we've got the news about the, you know, this, uh, the, the tapeworm that the, the dogs carry that's a yeah, big yeah, deal, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, that's, is that something they can maybe revisit because... That's the, prob- the problem I have with the green bin at this point. Shirley, you are obviously much more of an expert on this than I am. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Send me a note on themayor at calgary.ca. And anybody listening can also send a note to themayor at calgary.ca uh-huh. with your specific concern. And we'll put it through to our biology experts. Um, because if you're raising something they haven't thought of, it's super important. If they have thought of it, I'd love to get you a better answer. Yeah, I would, I would love the better answer because I suspect that there are, I know there are lots of smart people than me so chances are they know they know more about this than me but i just i'd like a little reassurance yeah. okay so, i mean you. listen I, I what i know is that the whole question of animal waste was a very big thing they researched uh so i have to assume that they've got it all right but your specific question on those parasites and microorganisms let's find out the real answer Perfect. surely it's it's the mayor at calgary.ca don't forget the, the. thank you the at. mayor all oh, right the mayor it was the ad i didn't yeah. get the mayor at thank calgary.ca it's all right beautiful. thanks surely thank you um sorry let's uh squeeze in at least another couple of calls here hi grant hey guys how you doing today? doing well Hello, nancy hi grant uh, listen, i got a quick question for you i live in the cedar break community yes and uh, there's been something I've been struggling with. I've been there 18 years, uh-huh. and uh, I don't know the last time you were on that community. But uh, right. Stampede, Stampede breakfast last week, but yes. Anyway, uh, well, you were great. That's yeah, it was great. Re- it was a barbecue. It was really excellent. Anyway, right, go on. Right across, yeah, it was a great barbecue, and uh, and my buddy Ted had his great fire truck out there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyways, right across from it, there's the uh, um, uh, there's the strip mall there, and there's a convenience store in the. Uh huh. I know exactly. Yeah. 
And right behind it, they've got this old grungy dumpster. They've got a grease bin. They've got this and that. And I've even contacted the management company. I've told them, listen, if you build it, uh, I do some painting. Uh I say, I'll paint it for you for free. I'll take care of it. Because because as soon as people come right around Oakfield Drive right there, and we're trying to make the community nice, they they come to a playground zone sign. Mm-hmm. And they slow down, coming around, you know, that long corner comes around there, and the first thing they see coming into our community is this ugly dumpster, this grease bin. People ah. stop there. I stop there and throw things in. I've taken, the, not myself, don't do, like I see garbage out there, throw things in. But it is so, it, it just adds a taint to the community as you drive around there, nice area, and as soon as you go around the corner, everybody slows down, and here's this big, ugly bin, and it's okay. all and things that, like I was just thinking couldn't there be a bylaw where if a bin is that close to a sidewalk in a community that it has to be fenced in I don't care if it's halfway yeah. down the strip mall or whatever but it's just a real, real eyesore for our community and it just kind of makes people think like hey I can throw anything any place I want okay let, 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 leave that one with me if you don't mind I will have a conversation with Councillor Pincott about that specific um, question Now, the real question is, are they violating any community standards in terms of the community standards bylaw? Because it's in the back, I suspect they're not. But things like this, we can usually sort out with a little bit of a phone call from the from the local councillor to the management company. But tell you what, leave that one with me. Um, I made I've made a note of it and I'll have a chat with Councillor Pincott about whether he's ever done anything on it or who we can contact on it. Grant, yeah, thanks, to, thanks for the call, Grant. Around there. And I'm voting for you this year, by uh, the way. Thanks for saying. Huh? Uh, let's see here. Uh, this is an interesting. Um, could you ask the mayor, where did it start? Oh, no. Ask, my question's a follow-up to the community association. What does the mayor think about separating the community association's responsibilities for planning and traffic into separate regional boards or commissions? CAs are great services at services and events, but planning traffic require a unique skill set. And that's from Chris. I think, Chris, that is a very thoughtful question. You know, I have a buddy in Washington, D.C., who is an elected member of his community board. And what they do is every one of their wards has 14 of these ANCs. They're called advisory neighborhood councils. You're elected, but you're only elected by the people in like a three block radius Mm. or something. And it's a volunteer job, but you work on those issues beyond offering services and events and so on. So at this moment, there's a project called, uh, I think it's called the Future of Community Representation. And it's looking at all of these options. But I would love to figure out a way where we can not put so much pressure on volunteers, you know, especially in communities where, you know, in Rundle right now we're doing, oh, actually, here's a pitch for you. If you live in Northeast Calgary, we're doing the first ever master plan uh, in one of these Northeast communities in many years in the neighborhood of Rundle. If you want to attend a workshop on Saturday, go to calgary.ca slash Rundle um, and uh, sign up for that because what we found was there has been so little redevelopment in that neighborhood in so many years that when it came up to really think about some development around the C-Train station there, that the community association really didn't have the time, the skills, the ability yeah. to really reach out into the neighborhood and see what people want as the neighborhood might undergo major change. And that's really what this community representation framework project is about, to try and figure out new ideas. That is a really intriguing one that Chris has, has, has sent in, and um, I'd love to explore it more. But like I say, if you want to help me out in Rundle, love to see you there. Mayor Nancy, thanks as always, and we'll see you next month.
Thank you very much, everybody. Have a wonderful rest of July. We've got news coming up next. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott. Weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.